showtime. She's an accomplished author who specializes in a genre that's, well, out of this world. And he's a talented musician who's no ordinary space cadet, but definitely a sweet crooner. Together, they are quite the power couple. Please welcome to The Rosie and Bill Show, author Cynthia St. Alvin and lead singer of Sweet Crooner, Ted Levin. Hi. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. Yes, we are. Thank you. You're our first power couple. No kidding. No, no Beyonce and Jay-Z yet? Not yet. We bumped them when you said you wanted to come on. So. As one does. They got nothing on us. As one does. So, Cynthia, we're going to start with you. Um, All right. In the intro, we mentioned that your genre is out of this world. But that's actually truthful because you write light paranormal romance. And Bill yes. actually has a question for you about that. Uh, it on me. <laughs> uh, late paranormal romance. I know. Huh? I know. I know. <laughs> so the light is sort of a keyword for funny, wherein there will be, you know, it's sort of like um, how I usually describe it to people is like Bridget Jones' Diary, but with werewolves. So you have a, a central romantic comedy and or mystery, but then also a paranormal element. And the light is sort of like code for I try to be funny sometimes. So. <laughs> That sounds like great fun. I haven't read that genre yet. And I like saying that word genre. It feels, I know. It feels very fancy. But, um, <laughs> but that sounds like fun. I want to, I'm going to read, I'm going to get one of your books. I would not object to that in the least. <laughs> it's, well, it is. It's a lot of fun because you get to play with I the romance, them. but then also you get to play with all kinds of different paranormal critters, which opens up all new avenues of hilarity or so. I like to believe. So I've read every myself. single one. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Speaking of those books, from what we understand, Cynthia, you've got quite a few in the works coming out in the next few months. Tell us about what's coming out and what we can expect. Absolutely. So um, next out of the hopper is the Witches of Port Townsend series. Uh, the first one in that particular series will release on July 7th, and then every month thereafter, all the way through October. So there's Witch, Witch is Witch. Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> Which witch is wicked, which witch is wild, and which witch is willing. I am so impressed with myself right now. I'm just saying. Wow. Ew. <laughs> That's what I want to know. So yes, um, all of those. And then the third book in my uh, Tales from the Alpha Art Gallery series, Love Lies, is coming out in October as well. So I will be a very busy girl this summer. You're going to be so doing a lot of promotions and book signings, I think. Uh, the book signings, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really did enjoy doing that kind of thing uh, pre-COVID. Pre that was sort of one of my right. very favorite things is when you get to interact with your readers and meet them face to face and hear their impressions of your work. And sometimes that's equally fun and horrifying, depending on what those impressions might be. Um, but I, I love that. I miss that element. But um, certainly a lot of interacting with readers. We try to do that on Facebook, have Facebook parties instead, so you still have the, the element of interaction, but safely. 
Yeah, for a brief moment, I, I, I forgot we were in the midst of So easy, yeah. so easy to forget, yes. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a moment of bliss, actually. So you mentioned two, two of those books you wrote collaboratively. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the Witches of Port Townsend uh, series, I write with three other authors. Uh, one of them is my critique partner, uh, Kerrigan Byrne. She typically writes, or she's most well known for um, historical romance, Victorian historical romance. Uh, there's Tiffany Helmer, who's known for her contemporary romances, and she she comes from Alaska, so she has this great series that's all about, um, you know, experiences you only have in Alaska with delightful titles like Moose Stuff and things like that, so very regionally specific. Um, and then there's Cindy Stark, who kind of writes small town romance, um, sometimes cowboys, sometimes ranchers, that kind of thing. Um, the four of us kind of got to know each other through Romance Writers of America um, in the Utah chapter when we all lived there and uh, kind of cooked up this, the idea for this series together. So it's definitely been an interesting and challenging and really fun and generative process. Do you find that more difficult having to consider um, the stylings or opinions of other authors as opposed to just writing on your own? Yeah, I mean, I would say there are challenges and there are definitely benefits as well. So um, challenges, one of those would be obviously when you have four different people with four different ideas about what needs to happen in each book, there's sometimes, I wouldn't even call it disagreements, I would call it uh, discussions, right. <laughs> plotting discussions about what needs to happen and one of the ways we kind of got around that is each one of us writes one of the witches. And so we kind of got carte blanche to play with our characters and our characters love interest, however we wanted. And then each of the other authors would get final say on anything we happened to write with the characters that they owned. So that did help kind of create boundaries that way. Um, one of the benefits I would say is you get ideas when you have for four writers in their own right in a room you get ideas with the four of you that you i never would have come up with by myself there's some sort of magic that happens when you get four creative types you know generating a storyline together so challenges yes but also amazing benefits for you know artistic collaboration in that way you were talking about the one author who writes a lot about it last alaska and yes that tiffany helmer do you pick the setting for a specific reason? Like if you want to set it in your own hometown or wherever, like I know where, how does that come into play there? Where you choose to set the book? Yeah. So we knew when we were setting up to write this, that we wanted to set it in Port Townsend. Um, it's this little lovely Victorian seaport, just a ferry ride away from Seattle. Uh, Kerrigan Byrne had visited there, fallen in love there. It's just so idyllic and picket fences and during Halloween there's pumpkins and colorful leaves and little shops and cauldrons and it, it's just the most perfect setting possible for a witch-related witch book. Um, when we each developed our own characters, mine happens to be a water witch. Um, I, my, my father was in the Air Force so I went all over the place but part of my upbringing was in Mississippi and I sort of fell in love with Louisiana and Bayou country. And I thought, wouldn't that be a fun take on a water witch is to have her be from the Bayou. And everybody kind of got to pick their region. And I think each one of us sort of set to where our witches would be from in accordance with an area that we really loved as people, which kind of helped inform you know, their habits, their speaking patterns, their fashion choices, um, all of those kind of things. Is there a lot of individual research that you do 
in, in developing this or is that done collaboratively? Well, I'm just trying to wrap my arms around yeah, how this yeah. whole process works. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, um, I would say each one of us generally had um, a certain section of research that we wanted to do in order to make um, the, the lore surrounding our particular witch's power authentic. Um, so we delved quite, quite a bit into Druidry and um, the spiritual practice of Druidry because um, we thought it'd be fun with each of them being elemental witches to sort of be set in an actual vibrant existing spirituality. So there was quite a bit of research about that. Um, a lot of it with, especially with the contemporary, I, I would say the more historical you go, the more research you're, you're letting yourself in for in order to be sort of authentic to the time. So with a contemporary book like this one, you don't have to do a ton of research about, you know, would they have even said that back then? Did they, did that thing exist? Would they, would they have had this book? Um, so we, you get a lot of latitude to play when you're, when you're in a contemporary time period. Um, beyond that, I would just say we, we wanted our, our witches to seem authentic to the place that they came from. So we did a lot of regionally specific research that way too. But as far as the plot, a lot of that, we just sort of came up with that ourselves, not much research required, which is also kind of nice, I must admit. So <laughs> gives you more time to focus on the creative aspect of it. Exactly. The character exactly. development. As, as I said, definitely fascinating. I appreciate you, you sharing that with us and, and yeah. folks, we are going to take a quick break for just a moment, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to hear from Sweet Crooner himself. But first, it's time for 60 Seconds with Coach Lombardi. Thanks, Rosie and Bill. Well, many of you have asked me what the secrets are to the workouts I use with my celebrity clients. Well, I'm going to give you one right now. When I need to maximize a client's time and get the most effective result, I utilize a method called Peripheral Heart Action Training, or PHA. This is similar to circuit training workouts, but you'll do them with heavier weights or the normal amount of weight you would use if you were doing a regular weight training workout. It's designed to put your cardiovascular system into high gear by alternating lower body exercises with upper body exercises. Now this variation forces the heart to move blood up and down the body rapidly, maximizing the cardiovascular benefit. It increases fat burning and increases the body's post-exercise oxygen consumption. So here's an example of a set. Dumbbell squats, dumbbell bench press, machine leg curls, lateral shoulder raises. Now perform the routine one to three times through depending on your fitness level. Do 10 to 20 reps each exercise and this coupled with proper nutrition will lead to the results like you've seen with many of my clients. Here are a few photos. And if you've forgotten everything I just said, just go to page 135 in Deadline Fitness. I'm Coach Lombardi for the Rosie and Bill Show. Thanks for another great tip, Coach, and we're looking forward to having you back again next week. So now we've gotten to know Cynthia just a little bit. So now, Ted, it's your turn. <laughs> but no, I should say now, sweet crooner, it's your turn. So first, I want to know at home, yes. does Cynthia call you sweet crooner or <laughs> Mr. Sweet Crooner? <laughs> um, sugar, baby cakes. <laughs> You know, a sweet crooner, I think, was, whether I was aware of it or not, SC was, you know, 
space cadet. I never realized Yeah, so that. when I, when I kind of retired from rock now. and roll and became a lounge singer, per se, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to do something softer, something a little more personal. And I wanted to get back to my roots, you know, which was 50s rock and roll. And uh, I wanted to be a crooner, you know, like, like the old guys. And uh, that just seemed like a fitting moniker. So, How does that part of music history resonate with you? Because obviously you're, you're playing that music a lot. Is that really important to you? Was it a big influence growing up? It was. It was kind of... I think my first love affair with music at a, a very early age, probably six, seven, you know, I can remember standing in front of a mirror, slicking my hair back with a, a, a brush and singing, you know, hound dog and, and thinking I was Elvis, you know, he, he was the king. And to me, he was, uh, he was the king. He was everything. And it, it, I think really inspired me to want to be a singer from a very early age. And that's all I ever wanted to do my whole life. Uh, just a couple of moments ago, Ted, you talked about that SC and yeah. Space Cadet. And yeah. we know you had a lot of success with that band, and we're going to take a little peek at Space oh, Cadet no. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Ted, now we've had a, a taste for Space Cadet, and let's <laughs> say uh, you were rocking, man. So you, Thank you. You touched on it a little bit, but I'm just curious, that transition from the first SC to the second SC, in, right. in was there any specific event or, or situation that caused you? Was it a gradual change? I'm just trying to wrap my arms around that transition. I mean, music is music, but it's, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty big move. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, Space Cadet tried for almost a decade to really um, make it. And, you know, we spent every weekend in a van touring around the, the dirty south. And, and it was uh, a lot of fun. And we, we got a lot closer than a lot of bands ever get. But I think when I turned for, you know, for something, um, <laughs> I just, I was ready to move on. I was ready to try something different. And I wanted to uh, step out of that box and into a, a different box, an older, more vintage box and pay homage to some of these uh, these guys that influenced me growing up. You know, it's like I, I get on the stage now and all of a sudden, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to play this next song for you. And you know, it's, you become Elvis, you become Johnny Cash. How about Chuck Berry? Does Chuck Berry play a role in it at all? Absolutely. Chuck was Chuck was my man. You know, he he he. I call him the great granddaddy of rock and roll, and uh, he was. He he broke all the the barriers down in so many ways. You know, Chuck Berry, Fats Domino, all those guys. What can fans expect to hear when they come to hear Sweet Crooner? Um, all the the best of the '50s and early '60s but in a, a little bit of a different way because I, I really feel it's important for me to put my, my thumbprint on it and make it my own. 
So I stay true to the originals for the most part, but um, you know, I kind of want to do my spin on it, my take on it. And I'll change it and play with the songs and have fun, but you always know that song, like, oh, I, I love this song. So it's, it's always kind of a slam dunk, I think, for venues and places I play, because they're like, wow, this is timeless music that people still love in 2020, just as much as they did you know, 65 years ago, so. Well, you certainly wear a lot of hats in that band. Yeah, I, it's a lot of this, you know, it's a <laughs> lot of moving parts. I, I play with my hands, I play with my mouth, my feet. Um, so it's a lot of uh, moving parts. A lot of energy too. I, I try and make it energetic and put on a, a, a fun show. And uh, you know, that's the thing about 50s music. It got people dancing and it, it turned people onto rock and roll for the first time ever. And people, you, you can feel that, that swing. And uh, I want to recreate that as much as I can. Yeah. I I agree, Ted. I mean, to me, there's nothing that can get you going and, uh, any more than that opening riff to Johnny Be Good. If you can't oh, yeah. move to that, you oh, yes. need to have your pulse checked. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, agree <laughs> couldn't agree with you more. Inquiring minds want to know, how did you two meet? I mean, Ted, did oh, you goodness. spot Cynthia in the audience? It's a pretty good story. A pretty, pretty good story. You want to tell it? Was he lurking? Was he lurking in the paranormal section at a book signing? Is that what happened? Well, I, what I just before we tell you the story, what I always say to Cindy is, "Where have you been all my life?" And her answer is always waiting. <laughs> waiting. Waiting. Um, so we met the old-fashioned way on a dating app um, called Plenty of Fish, right? Um, and which is funny because it was actually um, we're coming on two years now. Uh, July fourth was right. the first time he messaged me. Um, I at the time was living three and a half hours away from where he was living. I know, which is strange because we had both put filters in place that should have made it so neither one of us saw the other, which is kind of funny. So fate, fate. Um, anyhow, we he sent me a message. I sent one back. We kind of had a little, you know, witty repartee going, and then he said, "Well, it's just it's too bad you live so far away. Otherwise, I would ask you out." And you know, me being me, I was sort of you know a little hurt, a little crestfallen by that. Um, so sort of you know, sent him on his way. Wished him the best of luck, and then. <laughs> He kept messaging me. Um, he's like, well, I'm reading one of your books. And, you know, I was like, well, that's <laughs> As nice. one does. Cool. You know, but still sort of like, yeah. we're not dating. Why are you talking? I almost blew it. Um, and then I get a friend request from him on Facebook. It's a Friday evening. Um, I'm sitting on my brother's couch. My brother's probably the person who at the time knew me better than anybody in the world before Ted. And, uh, he looked over at me. He's like, who are you talking to? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I can't even look at your face right now. You have the dopiest grin on your face. <laughs> and I was like, it's just this guy. He's from Dallas. His name is Ted. He's a musician. And he goes, not Ted Levin, <laughs> my brother. And I was like, how do you know that? He's like, before I tell you, I want you to do something for me. <laughs> he said, ask him if he's ever drank from Arnold Schwarzenegger's water glass. I'm like, okay, that's a really strange question to ask somebody who I'm trying to flirt with, but whatever. So I asked Ted that and right back I get, how do you know that in all caps? Are, so, you, are you a witch? So yeah, as, as happened, back in the day, Space Cadet played this little bar, the Longhorn Bar that was down the road. This was like 12 years before we met online. Um, they blew an amp. My brother who also plays the guitar brought his to the bar 
Um, they ended up chatting. My brother drove to Dallas. They ended up having dinner before one of Ted's shows um, at the time. Mm -hmm. So we like to joke that he actually went on a date with my brother <laughs> 12 years before we met online, which is the coincidence of all of that was just absolutely crazy. Yeah. So, and the thing with the Schwarzenegger is before, <laughs> you know, the whole time I was doing music, I always had some, you know, bartending gig or wait, waiting tables. And I waited on Schwarzenegger once. And when I, when I cleared his plate, I took his water goblet and I snuck in the back and I drank some of his water so I would absorb some of his power. <laughs> and I woke up the next day and I was ripped, Bill, ripped. <laughs> Austrian accent. I'm kidding. But um, I've been telling that story, clearly, um, for years. <laughs> and I told it to her brother, you know, crazy. You know over a decade ago. Yeah. And then a decade later, I'm on Plenty of Fish, you know, swipe 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 and then i see this goddess in front of me i say oh there's no way this is a real person this is a, a russian bot and i almost but i said i'm curious so i clicked on it and the first picture she had had her doing this and it said the caption said dreaming of cheese and i knew right then uh, you know, that was the girl for that was the girl for me <laughs> You know, there is nothing coincidental about this. I mean, it's just too perfect. I, I can't even believe I've never experienced it, anything it feels faded like that in my does. life. It was just the funniest thing. So I figured after all that, I might as well drive the three hours to, to see him. And that was July 8th of two years ago. That's right. So. Oh, that happens to be Bill's birthday. See, oh. another not coincidence. Hey. Glad I could help. Glad I could help. Yeah. <laughs> You know, as, as I'm listening to the two of you tell that story and you can see the smiles in, in your faces as you're telling the story. And we, when we, we spoke before uh, we're recording this show and we talked about how we referred to you as a power couple, mm -hmm. but I really see you guys as more of an empowering couple. And here's what I, I mean. That. I love that. It, it sounds like from what you shared with us before and what we could just hear in your voices right now that you support each other and you're there for each other. And I just would just like to get a quick answer from each of you. What is that like, given that you're both pursuing your passion and also have somebody in your corner? I mean, to me, that sounds fantastic, but what's it like for you? For me, it, it's, it's huge, Bill. Um, you know, after Space Cadet, I was a prolific songwriter and I was so burned out. I didn't write anything for almost 10 years. And then I meet this amazing writer and it's not music, but her just watching her do her craft, it inspired me to write again. And in the last year I've been writing, I think some, some of the best stuff I've ever done. Yeah. And I think um, it's a really, it's, it's a funny, it's an interesting thing. Cause like before I, you know, sort of transitioned to, to writing novels, um, I, I like to say I got my useless master's degree in art history. Um, but the, the time period that I was obsessed with was late 19th century France. And in that environment, there was this idea of la vie bohème, which is what is true is art and beauty and love and, you know, literature and songs. And that these are the things that make life worth living. Um, lots of money and, you know, power, that that's not so much what it's about. So, you know, I, I feel like we have our little la vie bohème capsule here where I work on my my writing and he works on his music but they, they kind of feed each other you know Absolutely. like he'll, he'll include little snippets of my you know 
book titles into a song or I, he'll, he'll write a song that inspires a scene sure. of mine, which, which is really amazing. I so. took her latest series, uh, Love Bites, Love Sucks, Love Lies, the uh, Alpha Art Gallery series. And I just took those words and I put them into a song. And, you know, before I know it, I had this, this epic, I think really, really cool uh, work of art. So kind of, just I, having somebody I that to pay, understands that drive. The homage to the tribute know? to her. And, yeah. I well, I understand, Ted, that prior to Cynthia, you didn't even like to read. Come on, fess up. <laughs> it's true. College, college burned me out on reading. I, I, I had so much trouble reading after college. And I said to myself, I need to cure that real quick here. <laughs> so I, I've just, uh, you know, just torn through her books. I've read nine novellas. Which is crazy. Three right? novels. I'm on my fourth novel. Um, I'm very impressed. They're amazing. I love them. They're, that's and I'm not that that's they're love. Really Are you going to sing at the wedding novel. when you guys uh, get hitched? It's possible. I, I, think, I wouldn't mind if that happened, <laughs> I'm just saying, but it's not something I expect either. Yeah. So just throwing it out there. I did record the wedding march for her. He, so. did, he did, he did. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, what we'd like to do is we've got a couple of questions that we'd kind of like to fire at you both real quick. And we're going to call this rapid fire. Okay. So we're going to get a chance to see how much you really know about each other. And you're going to have about five seconds to answer each question and you do not want the buzzer to go off if you take too long. That buzzer will, it, it, oh it could boy. impact your hearing for life. Oh, I'm scared, <laughs> my hands are gonna sweat. I need my hearing. <laughs> okay. You guys ready? Yeah, hit us. Bring it on. Okay. I'll wait till you take your sip. You got your sip, you ready to go? Okay, Cindy, first question's for you. What's Ted's favorite band? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of it. Just uh. kidding, go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Ted. Who is already? There's so many. Author. Um, Janet Ivanovich. The books are literally right here <laughs> next to the laptop. That's not fair. <laughs> okay, was that the correct answer? Yes. Okay, all right. It was, wasn't She's it? She's one of them. Yes. Okay, Cindy, you got a 50-50 chance of getting this one right. I'm just going to quit now. Who's a better cook? I am. No Come question. On, Bill. Record time. Hundred percent me. <laughs> Ted, who asked you for the first date? <laughs> she, she she did. I, I asked you. Well, you suggested. That's asking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. We'll okay, allow we'll it. allow it. All right. Very good. All right. No, no, no. You guys made it through and you're still a couple. Success. Okay. So Ted, what song are you going to be playing for us to close out the show? You know, I thought it would be cool to play for you guys. To me, such an inspirational number. And, and it's the first song Elvis ever released in 1954. Uh, that's all right. And the rumor is that he... You know, they were having a session at Sun Records. It was going horrible. And all of a sudden, they were on a break, and he just started playing this uh, Arthur Crudup song called That's All Right. And he kind of played a sped-up version of it. And the next thing you know, the bass player just starts playing along. And Sam Phillips come in, and he says, roll tape. And Scotty Moore, 
you know, guitar player jumps in there and that's the song. It's a one take. And to me, the magic of that is just so uh, amazing that I've always had a, a love affair with that song. So I, I think that would be a cool thing to play. The first Elvis song kind of started rock and roll. Yeah. I have always, always loved that song. Great song. Well, so excited to hear it. And we thank you both so much for, for joining us. This just flew by. Yes, of course. Thank you for having us. This is thank so you for fun. having us. It was. Yep. And, you know, I end each week's episode with saying something. But before I do, I just want to sort of share a little bit of it with each of you guys. And that is that you two have clearly made a difference for each other. And I just want you to know that what I ask our viewers each week is this. It's actually more of a statement than a question, but you'll see. Folks, make a difference for someone every day. And make every day a great day. And now Ted's gonna meander onto his uh, outdoor amphitheater and uh, close out the show. Take it away, Ted. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Our folks right now, I'd like to play for you the very first song Mr. Elvis Presley ever released in 1954 on Sun Records. Kind of started rock and roll if you think about it. That's all right. Mm -hmm. 